Let's get started into Mother's Day, this message. And Pete, thank you so much for the, the worship that you and Carrie led this morning. Uh, just a, a wonderful, wonderful time. I love, I love that last song that we got to sing this morning. Uh, it, it's like my favorite communion song. And when we get to communion later on today, I just, I just want you to think about what we got to sing there, about remembering what he's done for us. It's so important. It's so vital. And uh, what a wonderful thing for us to be able to celebrate. But today on Mother's Day, we're going to take some time to really focus on mothers. This is our Father's house. And it's important that at our, at our Father's house, we recognize mothers and, uh, and the importance of mothers in our lives um, in general, but also within the biblical context. It's, it's very, very important. I think it's interesting that in the beginning, in Genesis, when it makes reference to God saying, let us create mankind in our image and in our likeness, it says that he created them in his image, male and female, he created them. There's, I think a lot of times we, we focus on the aspects of, of maleness that is in God, but female also came out of God. And that is, that's so important because there's natures and characteristics of motherhood that have their roots and their foundations in who God is. And so that's so powerful for us to recognize. And it is separate and apart from how men function as fathers. We both have different roles to play within the, within the parenthood headship of our families. And I think that's important for us to recognize. So I'm going to speak to you today as a father, as a man, as a pastor, as one who is, at this stage in my life, an observer of mothers. I'm not a mother, not a woman. And there's a good chance that I'll miss things in, in what I'm portraying to you here today. And this topic of motherhood and mothering is such a sensitive topic because of the vast dynamic array of experiences that can go on with mothers, both the joys and the hardships. And so if I miss something here, I ask for your grace ahead of time because I know how deeply important that is for so many. Um, and so I'm giving you the, the best representation I can at this point in time in honoring mothers. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, we have the fifth commandment. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. This is, and God sees this as a very important, important commandment. Not only is it important for him to state, it's important positionally within the Ten Commandments. If you go on to Ephesians 6, verses 1 through 3, we, we see it kind of refreshed here again by Paul as he makes special note of this commandment. He says, Honor your father, sorry, he says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. He's quoting this, and he says, Which is the first commandment with a promise? And he, he says something here that's a little bit of a, I'd say, a different interpretation or further interpretation of what was characterized by Moses, where in Deuteronomy he says, um, so that you may live long and that it may go well with you in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Paul says this, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Specifically, on the earth. God is, he promises us long life as we honor our parents. Not just our fathers, but our mothers as well. And positionally, I said it's important. And 
within the Ten Commandments because the first four commandments are about our relationship to God. The other six are about our relationships with one another. And our primary relationship that he starts off with is honor your father and your mother. And it, it does come with a promise that you may have, that it may go well with you in the land that God is giving you. So as you're inheriting this land, as, you, as, as we as the body in Christ, of Christ are inheriting the earth and everything that God has given us here, that it may go well with us as we honor our parents, both our father and our mother. So it's important for us to pause and take moments like Mother's Day and Father's Day for us to really focus on our parents. But that's not the only time that we should be honoring our parents. It should be a way of life for us. God established that because it's, as we honor our parents, we learn to obey, we learn to, uh, to, to follow the models that we're given, we're, learned, we're, we're, we're trained in the aspects of displaying honor to us as humans, but also ultimately... It's to lift our gaze to how we honor God, our Father. I want to talk about my, my family a little bit here. I spend a lot of time, I would say, as I come to you, speaking about my relationship with my dad. I've told lots of stories about my relationship with my dad. I love my father. He's probably watching right now. Hey, Dad. And Mom, happy Mother's Day. I love you. I have two wonderful parents, and they sought early on in their, their marriage and in their relationship to us as parents to model, uh, model honor towards one another and taught us how to honor both of them as well. I want to say to young men and husbands, the way that you treat your wives is vastly important because you are modeling for your sons and those other young men around you what it means to honor a woman, what it means to love a woman, and how to do it um, righteously and purely and from a courageous heart. God gives us as men and husbands, he gives us rules about how we're supposed to love our wives, how we're supposed to do that sacrificially, how we're supposed to do that in a tender way. Because it's important for young men to see that that is incredibly important. I learned how to honor my mom by the way my dad modeled for me. But I think almost more importantly is how my mother honored my father. My mom followed my dad into all the things that God was leading us as a family into. And she didn't do that in a vacuum. They partnered together. They prayed together. They spent time together. They listened to one another's heart. But they together were responsive to what God was doing. And as, as my dad led us into places, my mother taught us as kids how to follow him, how to honor him, and not only him, but how to honor the, the acts of God in our lives. She demonstrated for us what it means like to live in a, in a place of, of submission and surrender out of a heart of love. My father cared for my mother, cares for my mother, and did not take advantage of her. They did this as a partnership. And it was so powerful to me for her to model in some challenging, challenging times that we had. We faced some, some interesting difficulties as we pursued the Lord. My mother was consistent 
in her trust towards my dad, but ultimately towards our Father God as he was leading us. And I'm so thankful for that. I remember as we were moving from California to Colorado to help go plant a church, we had a car that at the time was an old Ford, Ford Taurus station wagon. Remember those? Uh, yeah, my first car. <laughs> and it was, it was a lot of fun, but that car had, had some transmission issues. And I remember when we were going up over the mountains from California out into the flats there in the desert, <clears throat> we were having all sorts of trouble getting that car up over the mountains. And my dad was in his truck, and he was, he was behind us as we were out there because we were struggling, so he was kind of protecting us from behind, our rear guard there. And I remember being in the car with my mom, and she was singing the song. Some of you may be old enough to remember the song. He didn't lead me out this far to take us back again. He brought us out to bring us into the promised land. Does anybody remember that song? Anybody? We sang that song going up over the Sierras as our car was creeping along and we were trying to keep it from overheating. And we knew that God was taking us someplace and we were facing difficulty and we were facing trials, but that's what it was. It was a trial and it was a difficulty. It wasn't it wasn't something that was going to defeat us. And she was, she was consistent in just being surrendered to what God was doing and to help us as kids move through those moments together and lay hold of a bigger picture, a kingdom picture, that God was in control and he was going to bring us through that. I'm so thankful for that. You see, mothers oftentimes are our first Bible teachers, practically, as kids. For mothers that are followers of Christ, they have some of the most intimate moments with their children. They have some of the practical, most practical moments. They're, they're around the children most frequently, most often. They're going to be the ones that, that somebody comes to when they're hurt, when they're, when they're physically hurt or they're emotionally hurt or whatever it is. Mothers are going to be that first place to receive them. And turning their hearts back to the Lord and turning their eyes and their focus onto Him is such a vital, important role. I'm so thankful for my mom. I'm thankful for the way she loved us practically and cared for us, but I'm so thankful for how she modeled honor towards God. Because that taught me something deep that my, my own father, who honored God, taught me, taught me as well. But to see the way my mother did it was a, a totally different perspective. It was instructional to my heart, and I know to the hearts of my, my brothers and sisters. Beyond my mom, I have some incredible grandparents, too. One who really stands out to me uh, has gone on to, to be with, with the Lord. She's my nonna. She's my, my Italian great-grandmother on my mother's side. And uh, nonna was just absolutely wonderful. She lived across the street from us when I was a little guy, up to about the age of six. And she was a, a devout Roman Catholic woman who just loved Jesus. And she had a plethora of grandchildren and great-grandchildren and all of their husbands and wives and kids and and so she had this this mirror in her room where she would have pictures of all of us and she had them stuffed into the corners of her mirror all the way around and she would say prayers over all of us all the time every day she'd say prayers for all of us and I can remember when she got so old and frail that she couldn't stand in her mirror and say her prayers in the morning. I remember when, when the ladies in the, in the family 
took down all the pictures and put them into a photo album for her that she could keep with her so she could page through. And she'd be praying over all of us every single day, multiple times a day. She would just pray for our protection. She would pray for wisdom for us. I, I, I know that those prayers are still affecting us today, not just me, but my whole family. When I was a teenager, she would come to, uh, to our house for Christmas. She and, and her daughter, my, my grandmother, uh, would come to our house for Christmas. <clears throat> and we'd pick them up the day before Christmas and Christmas Eve, and we'd bring them to our house, and we'd spend Christmas Eve and Christmas Day with them, and it was just, it was wonderful. It was delightful. And we have a huge family. So for us, it felt like a real honor to be able to have them with us. And I remember when I was old enough to go and, and pick her up, pick them up from their house and bring them, because uh, I was old enough to drive. It was just wonderful getting to be with them and, and talking with them. And every Christmas Eve, they had to go to Mass. And I remember bringing them uh, to the Catholic church we had there in town, and, and they'd go to Mass, and then we'd go and pick them up and bring them home, and we'd have a wonderful dinner together. And the next morning, we could not open our presents until Nona came out into the, into the living room, the family room with us. And Nona was there saying her prayers over the photo album, going through and praying over all of us before we came into our celebration for Christmas. And sometimes it took a little while. I'm sure I had lots of righteous thoughts about that as a child. But I look back at it today and say, what an amazing thing that was taking place in that moment before we got to celebrate the birth of Christ and in our presence and everything else we did that morning where the matriarch over our family was blessing us and going before the throne room of God for her children and her grandchildren and her great-grandchildren and all those who would come and those who had married in and all of that. She stood there in that place and just loved us before the Lord. Mothers have an incredible role to play. And Mother's Day is filled with a mix of emotions for many people. For some, today is filled with great, incredible joy. And for some, many, it's also a day that's filled with great sorrow. There's thoughts and reflections of incredible acts of love and sacrifice and faithfulness and strength of mothers. And we recognize that and we celebrate that. Mothers get to be honored, they get to be thanked, they get to be rejoiced over. But for some, they don't have those memories to celebrate. And for some, they're grieving over being hurt by those that they should be able to trust the most. This is just the reality of life. And it's important for us to recognize that as we're in a day like this. It's not just one way. We choose to honor mothers today. Some of us, this might be the first Mother's Day where we don't have mom with us. It might be the second or third, and we're still wrestling with that grief as it's brought back to us. And for others as well, who greatly desired to be a mother, today is another memory of that, or another reminder that that's not yet happened, or maybe that won't happen or didn't happen. Proverbs 13, 12 tells us this, 
Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Some mothers are able to receive the love, the honor, and the doting of their children today. They have the capacity to do that. They have the ability to do that. And then there's other mothers who are reminded in a direct way of the child or children that they would love to have one more moment with just to say, I love you, or one more opportunity just to hold them in their arms. This is a beautiful day, and it's a challenging day. It's all of those things. And I think it's important for us, before we go any further, just to recognize that and acknowledge that. Because there may be a mother you know that needs your encouragement today. You may be a mother today or someone who hasn't had the opportunity to be a natural mother. And the Lord is here to encourage you today. He sees you. He recognizes you. And amongst our celebration, he's there holding his heart, his arms around your heart. You know, the Bible is full of stories that go across that whole spectrum. Mothers and motherhood situations that reach every single aspect of that. I think it's interesting that Eve, the first mother, had the joy of childbirth, had the joy of bringing her children forth, raising them, all of that. She experienced the highs and she experienced the extreme low of watching her firstborn kill her secondborn. The devastation of that. She experienced that whole spectrum. She was given the opportunity by God to give birth to another and many others. But I can't imagine just the spectrum of experiences that she had to go through. And I think that's laid a foundation for the strength of mothers across time. She went before us. She went before you. You The first human being to kind of be born from another human being was a woman. Eve came out of Adam. The first woman came out of a man. But every other across time, even the Lord himself, has entered the earth through a woman. That's a powerful thing. Anyone who tried to preach that the Bible is about a of women, a dishonoring of women, or any of that, not true. God has stories all through here of great women doing incredible things, standing in difficult places, and there's a lot of honor for women in here. We're going to go through uh, several components today of, of motherhood, several examples of motherhood, amazing things that mothers have done, because it's important for us to recognize that the Bible is full of stories to bring encouragement to you wherever you're at and to demonstrate to you that God is, has great things for and through mothers. Firstly, I just want to recognize that there are several miraculous births that take place throughout the Bible. Miraculous things. 
that take place. First, the one that comes to mind for me is Sarah, Abraham's wife. Think about all she went through, longing for a child, waiting for a child, hearing that God told her husband that she was going to be having a child. Because I know that Abraham was talking to her about these things. She heard that promise. She owned that promise. And we know that that promise waned in her life. When she hears from the other room about this thing taking place, she laughs, remember? (laughs) Because she doesn't see how this is going to happen at this point in her life. But God still made true on his promise to her. She even participated in coming up with the idea of how Abraham, Abraham's prophecy could be fulfilled, how God's promise could be fulfilled. Maybe, maybe it's going to be through, through my servant girl. We could do that. That would still be through you. That still kind of be through me too. And we have a whole nation now that comes out of, out of that situation that was not the nation of promise. But she longed for this. She waited for us, for this. She was committed to this. And God brought forth in her life Isaac. He is the son of promise. She did bear him in old age. It is a truly miraculous thing. There's nothing that by physiology says that she should be able to do that. But God did it. God did it. He did a miraculous thing there. If you go into Judges and you look at in his his history, his mother, likewise, was a barren woman. And she was visited by the angel of the Lord. And he told her that she was going to bear a son. And that he was supposed to be a Nazarite. Remember, he's not supposed to have a razor come to his head. He's not supposed to touch dead things. He's not supposed to take any alcohol or anything like that. He had a Nazaritic vow, a perpetual Nazaritic vow over his life because God was going to use him as a deliverer. This, this story has foreshadowings of, of Mary with Jesus, with the angel coming and proclaiming what's going to take place. And Samson's mother believes, and here we go. Here comes Samson. Now, he had some challenges in his life, right? But my goodness... What a miraculous birth that takes place there. Hannah. Hannah is another one. She's waiting, 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 waiting. She's crying out before the Lord. We're going to go into this story here a little bit. But she cried out to the Lord, and finally she, she's delivered from that. God, God answers her cry of her heart. And we have one of the greatest prophetic voices that came forward in the Old Testament out of that pain, out of that struggle, out of that sorrow. Elizabeth, Mary's cousin, mother of John the Baptist, an angel came and spoke to her husband about how John the Baptist was going to be born. And he was, and and he is considered to be the greatest in the Old Testament. And of course, Mary, the virgin, conceiving a child by the Holy Spirit, the Son of God, believing that what God said was true and yielding herself to what God's plan was. And Jesus comes forth from her. 
His is not the only miraculous birth in the, the story of the Bible. And there have been many others across time as we've seen God's hand of intervention open wounds. Does he always open wounds? He doesn't. I wish that that were so. And I don't know why he doesn't. But there's testimony here that he does. And it's important for us to see that and lay hold of it. When we were having trouble conceiving, these were stories that I went back to to encourage myself in the Lord. That, Lord, you, I know you can do it. I know you can do it. But if it's not this way, I know you have something for us. But I know you can do it. If we go into 1 Samuel, the story of Hannah. <clears throat> you know, it's, it's interesting. She's, she's one wife that her husband has. And she's the barren one. And she's being taunted by the other wife. And she's living under that. And she's being reminded each year that she does not have children. And we see here, we pick up in, in verse 9 of Samuel chapter 1. Once they, had, they went to Shiloh every year, and we see this. Once they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life and no razor will ever be used on his head. She's proclaiming right now a vow before the Lord to raise a Nazarite. She's making a vow for her son should he be born. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, How long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. You hear through this the emotions in her heart. You hear where she's at. She's, she's got nothing else but to bring those things before the Lord, to lay it down on the altar before him. And Eli answered, Go in peace and may the... May the God of Israel grant you what you have asked him. She said, May your servant find favor in your eyes. And she went her way and ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. Early the next morning they arose and worshipped before the Lord, and they went back to their home in Ramah. Elkanah made love to his wife Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. What a statement. And the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, Because I asked the Lord for him. Samuel goes on to be a great prophet. It says that none of his words fell to the ground. He's the one who identified David. He's the one who helped lead before Israel had a king. And Hannah goes on to raise five other children. Her womb was opened. God continued to bless her. He was not the only one that she had. And I think that's a powerful thing, that she came before the Lord and said, Lord, I, I, I so want a child, but I commit him to you. Even in him opening her womb, 
she had him for a time, and then she gave him over to the priesthood. She yielded him up. It was a very sacrificial thing, but when she did, in that moment, there's, go, to, go to 1 Samuel chapter 2 and read Hannah's prayer, because it is, it is a triumphant prayer of exaltation before the Lord of what he is doing and who he is and how great he is and how much he has changed her own heart. It kind of harkens to forward in time, Mary's prayer when she meets with Elizabeth and, and the babies in the womb recognize each other. It's a prophetic moment. But we see, we see the, the early vestiges of this in in Hannah. God transformed her situation. But it, was, it wasn't with, without sacrifice. Mothers sacrifice so much. Guys, if you are not yet married or, or you're married and you've, you and your wife have not yet had children, you've not yet seen her as a mother, I just want to say as another husband and father, you will be amazed at the transformation that takes place in your girlfriend when she becomes a mother. It's not an identity that she is taking on at that point in time. It's an identity that is, aw- is awoken in her, awakened in her when she has that baby. So much of fatherhood early on is observational. There's nine months there where that baby is gestating inside that mother. And she, her body's changing outwardly, but also inwardly. I believe her heart is being awakened. There's aspects of her identity that are starting to show up that she didn't know about. There's all sorts of hormones and chemicals and all those things that help make that happen physiologically, but in her heart, she's experiencing a connection with another human being that no one else, even herself, can't see yet. She's learning about the rhythms of this life that's in her. She's learning about herself, things that she's never experienced before. And she's making a a connection with this other human being that you as a father will never be able to make. You'll never get to experience those things that she's experienced. You get to care for her and that child, but you're not carrying that physically inside your body. There's something different about that. And it's important for us to know. So men, if you've not yet experienced this, be prepared. It's a, trans- it's a transformational scenario. And you will have experiences with your wife where you come up against the changes that have taken place in her. And you see a different nature and character coming forward in her. The mother bear situation is real. It is real. Don't mess with mama bear. You'll see tenderness take place. You'll see a level of responsibility and genuine care for another that is unlike anything that you've ever experienced in her before. It's a powerful thing to witness. As you care for her, as her body and her emotions and her her psyche and her spirit are changing through that, you can't but change in how you hold and approach that situation. It's a powerful, wonderful, beautiful thing.
many of us as fathers. Watch our wives endure incredible physical and emotional and sometimes spiritual sacrifice for their children, for our children. It's unlike anything that you've, you can see in yourself. I remember going through bed rest. That was our journey. We went through bed rest multiple times and seeing the things that, that Katie, my wife, was willing to endure to bring forward our sons. And it wasn't an option for her. It was never an option in her mind. She was willing to do it. And she put herself in that place time and time again, day in and day out. And it was agonizing to watch her go through it. And I wish I could have gotten there and done it for her, but there wasn't a way to do it. The best I could do is take care of her in that moment and support her in whatever way I could. But I couldn't go through what she went through, but she did so willingly. And so many other mothers have gone through things like that and things far more challenging than that because mothers are willing to do that. It's a different dynamic than what we as men will ever experience. Mothers advocate boldly for their children. Mothers advocate boldly for their children. I have observed mothers put themselves in some of the most embarrassing personal situations just so they can advocate for their child because they're unwilling to allow their personal pride come before their ability to be there for their child. They'll surrender all of that to boldly advocate for their child. And it's a powerful thing to see. One of the things I think is one of it's just a perfect example of boldly advocating for their child and surrendering their will to God is when Moses' mother put him in the Nile. This woman had been nursing her son and taking care of him as long as she could. Remember, boys are being slaughtered across the land. By the way, I'm going to back up just a little bit. The two midwives that are referenced in Exodus that are helping mothers birth the babies that are supposed to kill the boys as soon as they come out of the womb, they're supposed to kill them. Go back and read that in Scripture. What a terrible thing to put on, on, on these ladies. And they didn't do it. And, they, and they, lied to the, they lied to the Egyptians about how and why they were doing it. Oh, we couldn't, you know, we didn't know. The women, they are so strong and vigorous, they give birth on their own and we're not even there. Of course they were there. But they defied the order because God was using them to protect the children of Israel. These women did that. They chose to defy the regime that had enslaved their people to protect the children of Israel. That is bold. That is courageous. That is a motherly thing to do. Listen, you're not just a mother to your own children. You can be a mother to those that are around you. And we'll get to that more later. But Moses' mother, under pressure, raised her son. And when it came time where she realized she couldn't keep doing this in secret... What does she do? She puts him into the river and surrenders him to the hand of the Lord. And God takes him to the place that's the most unlikely, right? 
to the, to the household of the one who is saying, kill all the boys, and sends him to that man's daughter. And he's drawn out from the river, and his sister's been following along. And what happens? The woman who had released her son to the Lord receives him back to nurse, to nurse him, to nourish him, and to nurture him until he comes to an age where he can be raised in the court of Pharaoh. God honored her boldness. He honored her surrender. He honored her doing something that was so bold to advocate for her son's life. And out of that, we have the deliverer of Israel who brings them out of Egypt, across the desert, and prepares them for entry into the promised land. Sometimes moms advocate boldly in awkward ways. And there's actually a scenario with that in the New Testament where James and John's mom, remember this part, goes to Jesus. And I think we've also seen moms and dads do things like this too. Matthew chapter 20, verses 20 through 28. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down asked a favor of him. What is it you want, he asked. She said, Grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left hand in the kingdom. Jesus says, you don't know what you're asking. We see moms doing this because they want the best for their children. They're trying to advance them the best they can. In the scenario that they understand, they're always looking for a way to how can I help my child come forward. And this is a bold ask. This is a bold advocacy of their mother. And Jesus says, you don't know what you're asking. Can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? And they say, we can. And Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink of my cup, but to sit at my right or to my left is not for me to grant. These, are places, these places belong to those for whom they have been prepared for by my Father. When the ten heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. <laughs> That's, that's just a funny way of saying, like, dude, seriously? <laughs> you guys are always trying to get ahead, right? The sons of thunder, trying to get at his right and at his left. Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentile lorded over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be the first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. So you see Jesus on the other side of that, contextualizing everything. You guys are playing by the rules that you see here in the earth, but in my kingdom, to be great, you need to be small. And he did say, okay, you're going to be able to drink of my cup. And they give up their lives. They give up their lives in service of the king. There's another mother that to me, this feels like one of the fiercest, boldest advocacies of her child that, that we see in the New Testament. And it's the story of the Syrophoenician woman. Are you familiar with this? We come here, you can find it in both Matthew and in Mark. In Matthew chapter 15, starts in verse 21. 
says, Jesus, leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him, crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Here she comes for her child. She's not a Jew. But she's crying out to God and crying out to the Lord to free her daughter. It says basically this, So his disciples came to him and urged him, Send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. And he answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. And he replied, this, is, this seems like such an offensive thing to say. It is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. What, what an obstacle to overcome. Do you realize that? This is an obstacle to overcome. He said, I'm supposed to come to Israel and I can't feed the children's bread to dogs, to the woman who's just asked him to free her daughter of demon possession when he's been doing this all over the place. But an obstacle is put in her way and what does she say? Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. I'm willing to take whatever is left over for my, for my child. I know you can do it, and I'm willing to get whatever I can for my child. And Jesus said to her, woman, you have great faith. The obstacle that was thrown out in front of her, she overcame in her faith. She kept pressing into him for her child. This is fierce. This is courageous. This is dramatic. This is her going well outside of what was okay for her to get what she needed for her daughter. You have great faith. Your request is granted, and her daughter was healed at that moment. It says in Mark that when she went home, she found her, her daughter lying on the bed, and the demon was gone. Because this woman put herself in an uncomfortable place and continued to press into it for the healing of her child. That's the heart of a mother right there. That's mama bear. That's, I don't care how silly or crazy I look. I don't even care if what you say towards me is an offensive thing. I'm willing to go beyond because I know you can do it, and I'm going to lay hold of that and draw it in here. And she wasn't a Jew. Some mothers have the opportunity in their life to observe the many stages of their children and getting to witness the fulfillment of the promises God has over their children. See, mothers carry with them hope and promise and expectation of who their children are going to be. How many of us in our lowest moments had our mother or a motherly figure in our lives who knew us and cared about us speak life into our situation to draw us back onto the course of who we're called to be. A mother who is unwilling to see the surface of the circumstances to dismay her from the promise she knew was in you. 
and in a loving way was able to bring life to you. See, mothers are life givers. They nurture, they care for, and they walk through, and they clean up, and they pick up, and they fix up, and they help that life come to maturity. And they keep speaking life into us. Mary got to experience the totality of Jesus' life on planet Earth. Think about that for a moment. She experienced the totality of her child's life on Earth. She witnessed from the beginning to the end, from before the beginning to after the end of his life. Don't, don't miss that. There are mothers who have had similar experiences. Who have, have seen their children lose their lives. Mary had that too. The angel came to Mary, Gabriel, and spoke to her about what God was going to do in her. And she submitted herself to it. She allowed that to take place in her. She participated with what God was saying. She said, okay, I'm in. She was willing to put herself in an incredibly vulnerable situation in that day and age, in that culture. She willingly allowed herself to be put in that place at great risk to herself, but she believed the promise of God to her. What happens with that? She was immediately brought from another girl in Israel to directly center line in the narrative of God's actions through history. She became a willing participant in that. And God told her what was going to happen to her son. She raised him as a child. She raised him as a child. Jesus was completely dependent on her in a physical sense for a period of time in his life here on earth. She was entrusted with his life. That's amazing. She's trusting God to tell her how to raise his son. And it wasn't like it was all sunshine and rainbows. I mean, they're being hunted down. They're, they're leaving Israel. They're going into Egypt. They're in a foreign land, and they're coming back, and, and their lives are being threatened through this whole time, and she's trusting God. And then she's raising his son. She's having to deal with the fact that she lost him in Jerusalem. And then when they find him again, where were you? I was at the temple. Why are you surprised about that? I'm in my father's house. I'm 12 years old. That's what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm supposed to be learning the trade. Imagine what she had to go through with that. She was the launching point for his ministry at the wedding in Cana. Remember this? Woman, it's not my time yet. And she says, it's time. 
And he turns the water into wine, and it, it begins his ministry. And his mother was involved in that. We see her along the road being there with Jesus. We see her at his crucifixion. We see her after his crucifixion. Here it is in, in John nineteen twenty-five and 27. This is where we see him at the, her at the crucifixion. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, here is your son, talking about John. And the, to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. See, Jesus didn't leave her in this world without someone to care for her that he trusted most deeply. It wasn't like she raised him and then it was good. And that was the end of their relationship. This is a mother-son relationship where there's deep love and caring there. And then we see in Acts chapter 1, verse 14, they all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. She's seen him dead. She's seen him resurrected. And she sees the coming of Pentecost, too. She's lived through this entire story. Where do you think it was that the gospel writers learned about what Gabriel said to Mary? Where do you think it was that they learned about things in his early life, like, yeah, we lost him in Jerusalem? It says in here, just a, there's a snippet that you catch early on in Jesus' life, in Luke 2, verse 19, but Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Mary ruminated on these things. She observed these things. She watched all this take place. Mothers, mothers pay attention to the details of their children's lives. They know the details. They can tell you the series of events that took place. They can tell you what happened, what led up to it, what their characteristics, what their qualities are, all of that. They hear the, the promises of God over their children, and they cherish those things in their heart. Mary did that same thing for her son. And she was a witness to his life all the way through. Mothers, you have a unique role that you play, particularly those of you who are followers of Christ, because the Spirit of God speaks to you about your children. He puts things in you about their lives that only you know about. He gives you the opportunity to speak life to those things, to carry those things for them, to watch them as they grow. Mary watched all of the different stages of Jesus' life, and she submitted to each one of them. You as mothers get to do the same things with your kids. It's not as a child forever, it's not to expect too much of them at a given age. There's patience, there's kindness, there's, there's endurance as you're, you're watching them through. Mothers are vitally important to nurturing human beings 
and bringing them to place of maturity. I think one of the greatest gifts a mother who is a believer can give her children, both natural and those that are around her, is her faith in the Lord, imparting her faith in the Lord, nurturing her children to faith in the Lord. Moms, you can't make it happen, but you make a place that it can happen. You make a conversation that it can happen in. Because you get to pass on, in that case, an inheritance to your children. As you pour in, as you make opportunity for, you have the opportunity for them to inherit your faith. I love this in 2 Timothy as, as Paul is writing to Timothy, who's going through some real challenges as a young minister. Paul says this to him, I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did with a clear conscience. As night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you, so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you too. There are so many people in this world today that have a a relationship with Jesus because mama or grandma drug them to church and said... You're going to be in this atmosphere. You're going to be in this environment because the most important thing I can give to you is an opportunity for you to have a relationship with Jesus, for you to grow in that, for you to find that, for you to be nurtured in that, for you to become who God has called you to be. Moms, don't give up. Don't give up praying for your kids. Don't give up praying for those that are around you. God's put someone on your heart It's because he knows that you as a mother have the capacity to keep going before him, to keep making opportunities for nurturing, to continue to trust him and be be hopeful for that spiritual inheritance to be passed on to others, for others to come to know him. Throughout the Bible, There are far more stories than this about mothers and mothering and motherhood. Mothers are so important. God sees your role as important. God sees the hurts and the challenges and the struggles that you go through. And he's there with you in the midst of them. In all the various ways, that mothers go through this world. God sees that. I want to encourage you today. Moms, if you're in a place right now where you feel like everything that you're facing is insurmountable, you may be questioning what's going on in the life of your family, whether you've been effective, whether you're, you're being seen, whether you're being heard, you've been frustrated, you've lacked the patience, 
You've tried, you've kept on trying, you're praying, you're not seeing breakthrough, you're loving, and you feel like it's not being received. All the different challenges that happen there. I want to encourage you to keep pressing forward. God has given you a gift. He's given you the ability to stand there in those hard places for your children. This year has been such a challenging year. And some of the people that I think have been impacted the hardest in this year have been moms. As we all came home in various ways, so many mothers who already had so much that they were doing, so much on their plates, received so much more to do. Things that were foisted upon them and out of love for their children and out of commitment to them, they sacrificed yet again in more and more ways. It's been a very trying time. And moms, I know you took that weight on, and some of you have just been ground under the weight of that. I just pray that the Lord would continue to renew you with strength. There's natural moms that have gone through this with their own natural kids. There's moms that are adoptive moms. Grandmothers have stepped in in new ways and new places over this year. Single mothers have taken a huge weight on this year. God sees that. He sees you. He knows that weight. It's already great, but it came even greater. There have been aunts who have stepped in as well. Not just in this time, but there are aunts who are mothering their sisters or their brothers or their friends' children because they have that heart inside them to do so, and they have opportunity. There are women that don't have children that are mothering alongside mothers that they love, where they're augmenting them. They're coming in and being part of that family. They're lifting them up. They're giving that child love. They're pouring out that love that they haven't been able to pour into their own natural children. There's spiritual moms who have been so bold over this year. You've offered up prayer, insight, guidance, and life to so many people who have been struggling through this year. both other women and men. I have spiritual moms in my life who've been pouring into me and I'm so thankful for their affection, for their care, for their love, for their encouragement. I want to thank women who have mothered those that they know, that they're friends with, their co-workers with. See, you don't have to just mother your own children. Who knows about the team mom, the office mom? Women, God has given you an ability to mother those who are around you. We talk to fathers a lot of times and to men and tell them, you have the capacity to be a father to those that are around you in whatever arena you're in you're able to demonstrate God's heart of love. You're able to demonstrate the Father's heart 
wherever you are. The same thing applies to women as mothers. You demonstrate the love and the heart of our Father God in the capacity that you mother. Because that mother's heart, like we said before, is found in God's heart. You came out of Him. His ability to nurture, to give life, to incubate, to care for, to sacrifice, all of that comes out of God's heart. I want to commend you as you do that. Don't see boundaries as far as your family line or your family relationships is the only way that you can mother. You get to be mother regardless of where you are. As we go into communion today, I want us to take perhaps a different perspective than we tend to when we approach communion. As we sang this morning, when we come to communion, we're remembering what Christ did for us. We're remembering his body that was broken for us, his blood that was poured out for us, him ushering in a new covenant and giving us a way back to the Father. He did so willingly, and he knew it was going to come at great cost. But he's not the only one who ultimately could see this coming. spoke a little while ago about Mary. From our vantage point now here, 2,000 years later, we are told stories about these things. We go back and look at the record of what happened. But for those who were close with him, where he said, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me, they were with him at the table when that took place. They remember him breaking the bread. They remember actually drinking from the cup. They're in that experience specifically. For his mother, she knew what God had said to her about his life. And she watched that unfold. Now we know that when we receive prophetic words, very often... They play out in ways that are different than what we thought was going to happen. They're still true, but we didn't know how those details were going to play out. She received the promise about who her son was going to be and what he was going to do and that he was going to be the deliverer, that he's the son of God. And then she watched it play out throughout his life. She watched him on the cross. She watched her boy's body be torn open. She watched his blood pour out. She remembered the promise of God, and she saw him resurrected. She was there 
when the Spirit was poured out. She lived through that entire promise. And she got to participate in what we now call communion, the remember. And she could remember all of that history through his life. It meant a special thing for her. I speak to moms today. To imagine what she went through in her experiences, knowing what you know as the heart of a mother. This isn't just juice and a cracker. It's the representation of the life of one mother's son, who is also the son of God, who she loved and cared for and nurtured and looked after as she watched him do that, as she was yielded to what God was doing and got to live in the fulfillment of the promise, the fulfillment that we get to live in today. Don't allow the Bible to become a stale book of stories, of distant things that seem like fairy tales. These happened in the lives of people. These are real, true stories. Remember, there was a mother who stood before a king who said, how about we part the baby? And you can each have half. And she said, I give him up if it's going to save his life. That happened to a mother. There was a mother who stood there and said, but even the dogs eat the crumbs from the master's table. And her child was released from demon possession because of her great faith. There was a mother who stood at the foot of the cross and watched her son give up his life, bearing the weight of the sin of all mankind. She knew that he was sinless because she had watched his entire life. And she got to live in his victory. Father, I thank you that on today, Mother's Day, we can celebrate how your heart is put on display through women across time as mothers to those that have issued forth from their womb and for those that you have brought into their lives, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that this nature is born out of your nature. And I thank you that we can stand here today and remember that you, Jesus, bore our scorn, bore our sin, bore our shame, bore our guilt, all of it, Lord, allowing your body to be broken, allowing your blood to be poured out, that you would bring us victory, that you would bring us new life, that you would bring us a new covenant. We thank you, Jesus. We bless your name. 
I ask, Lord, that you would reveal to us today a closer connection with the experience of what you went through for us. In the eyes of those who loved you, in the eyes of those who cared for you, in the eyes of those who nurtured you and watched you. I ask, Lord, that as much victory as was received and celebrated in the life of Mary and your disciples who were there close in with you, Jesus, in that time that we would experience that ourselves that we would live in the freedom and victory that you bought for us. I ask Jesus that you would issue forth the promise of the Holy Spirit, the power, Lord, of your baptism to carry forth your message, Lord, all made possible because of your willing sacrifice for us. We choose to remember today, once again, Lord, what you have done for us. We thank you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Take and eat and drink. In the name of Jesus. here in the room, someone will come around and you can It's possible today, as we've been sharing, that there's been some nerves touched in our lives in many different ways. My hope is that in what we shared today, we can recognize the vast varieties of ways that motherhood can be experienced, both the highs and the lows and everything in between. I know I haven't touched on everything here, but I would encourage you that the Lord is close to those who are brokenhearted. He sees us in every struggle that we go through, and he rejoices us with us in every victory that we experience. I want to encourage every woman who hears the sound of my voice, God has given you the capacity to mother. He has given you the capacity and the ability to mother. Whether it is to your own children or to those that he brings into your life. Know that he has imparted to you a unique capacity to love, nurture, and encourage with his heart that can only be expressed through you in the way that he has has gifted you and he has crafted you. I want to pray a blessing over our women today.
Father, I thank you for every woman who can hear my voice right now, Lord. Lord, I thank you for how you have crafted them. I thank you, Lord, for all the gifts and capabilities that you have given them. I thank you for the mother's heart that you have put into them, Lord. And Lord, right now I ask that you would strengthen them, that you would encourage them. Lord, whether they are in joy or in grief or despair, that you would come close to them, Holy Spirit, and bring them comfort today, that you would bring them strength today, that you would bring them vision today. Lord, I thank you for the way that you have uniquely crafted them. And I ask that as they go forward, Lord, you would bring those things out fresh and anew. Lord, that you would breathe life into them. Lord, I ask that you would bring them opportunities to love and to demonstrate your love. Lord, I ask that you would bless their hands, that as they love those that are around them, Lord, in meaning, meaningful and practical ways, Lord, that they would see life spring forward. I bless them, Lord Jesus. I thank you, Lord. And I ask that your encouragement, Holy Spirit, would come upon them and carry them forward in this season. Lord, I pray for all the moms that have been challenged this year, Lord, as they've received so much more weight and so much more responsibility and so many more things to do. I thank you, Lord, that you've been with them through all of it. And I ask, Lord, that you would continue to give them wittiness and ingenuity. You'd bring resources to them, Lord Jesus, and you would strengthen them. I thank you, Father. We bless them, we bless their households, and we bless all those who are under their care. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. I want to thank you for being here today, for joining us online. Please, again, if you haven't yet, pick up a baby bottle as you go on out. If you don't want to pick up a baby bottle, go on, on our website and, uh, and please donate to the Baby Bottle Fund. Uh, we're so excited to see what we can do in partnering um, with the Pregnancy Care Center. What a wonderful way to continue to give life. God bless you all. We'll see you next week.